As we get ready to step into today's message, I promise you on a different day and a different season with a different need needing to be met in this room, this sermon could probably be very fiery. It could be probably very revivalistic, but today that's just not what I feel the Lord saying about this passage of scripture. I, I'm not going to take a long time with a bunch of build up here, but we're switching sermon series today to a sermon series that I think many of you as soon as I say the title, you're going to be like, oh, I'm checking out. That doesn't apply to me. I've never struggled with drugs. I've never struggled with alcohol. The name of the sermon series is Step Study. Step Study. But, but, but here's what I want you to know. There's principles, Bible principles in these step studies that apply to every area of every one of your lives. And, and what I need you to do today is to remain in that posture, that position of humility and understand that God is talking to you, not your neighbor. You know, oftentimes we hear sermons and we go, oh, I hope she's listening. <laughs> we, we hear sermons and I say, oh, I should take the notes and send those to him. Make sure he gets those. Make, make sure. No, today, just, just look straight ahead and know that God's talking to you. God's talking to you. Today we're going to talk about a humble beginning. A humble beginning. How many of you know Oaks Church has had a story of a humble beginning? Amen. Amen. I, I, I can I, I remember somebody was talking about dates like, oh, we can move in this day. We can be. I was like, who cares? We're moving in because I remember the day of the humble beginning when we didn't have anything. I mean, I can't even think. We didn't have a podium. We didn't have a music stand. We didn't, I mean, we didn't have nothing like humble beginning, just a dream, just a passion. Now, how many of you have had humble beginnings in your marriages? How many of you have humble beginnings in your businesses or in your career or in your finances or in your families? How, how many of you know the Bible says do not despise the day of small beginnings? It may look small now, but little with God is much. Little with God is much. Little with God is much more than most ever have. God can do so much with our little, with our humility, with our surrender. I'm excited about this posture in this position that the Lord has led us into. I'm going to read a passage of scripture. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 5, and it is rather lengthy. I'm so glad Pastor Chad has on his tennis shoes today. It's 15 verses long. I'm going to try not to preach through them, but I can't make any promises. But would you guys just love on Pastor Chad and the worship team for the incredible job that they've done this morning to lead us into a humble place. Again, I'm talking to every one of us, every one of us, not every one of you, every one of us about that position and that posture of humility and that being God's starting place for something great to occur in our lives. It says, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. Because through Naaman, the Lord had given the king of Aram great victories. Listen to this. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he also suffered with leprosy. 
At this time, the Aramean raiders had, invited, had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a little bit of young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, this girl, who was a maiden from Israel, said to her mistress, who was an Aramean, I wish my master Naaman would go see the prophet found in the mountains of Ephraim, in the land of Samaria, in the land of Israel. That prophet could heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king of Aram what the young girl, the maiden, had said from Israel. So here's what the king said. He says, go visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel, who was Jehoram at the time. I'll share that later. So Naaman started out carrying these gifts of 750 pounds of silver. How many of you wish somebody would show up at your house carried 750 pounds of silver? Amen. 150 pounds of gold and 10 sets of clothes. How many of you, I heard a woo on that 150 pounds of gold. I, I need to ask my brother Cody Brown or Charles or one of you, how much would 150 pounds of gold be worth right now? It'd be, be, worth, be worth a lot of money right now. And 10 sets of clothes. In those days, people didn't change clothes with the changing of the calendar day of the week. And he sent these letters to the king of Israel. And with this letter, he said, I present to you my servant, Naaman, and I want you to heal him of leprosy. Tell a funny story. I got a phone call from a local businessman last week. He's a family member of Oaks Church, helped us plant Oaks Church. And uh, he, he said, he said, I've got a call today from a man that I respect. He's 60, he's godly, he's one of the most godly men I know. And he said, the Lord said to him, I was going to be a part of healing you. And the guy that was on the phone says, I'm sure you get phone calls like this every week where somebody says that God says you were going to be a part of their healing. He said, but I absolutely have no idea what to do. And I feel like a little worm on a giant hook right now. What do I do? And I said, well, are you capable of healing him? And he said, absolutely not. I said, well, your only job then, my friend, is to point him to the one that can. That's all I can do when they call me. Your job is to point him to the one that can heal him. Could you imagine somebody showing up saying, hey, God sent me here for you to heal me. When the king of Israel, Jehoram, read this letter, he tore his clothes. You, you do know that's a sign of, in the Old Testament, when you see people tearing their clothes, they're, they're, they are contrite. They're like, oh, tearing my, oh, I'm repenting, I'm remorseful. The king of Israel, Jehoram, he tore his clothes and he said, am I God? that I can give life and take it away. Why is this man asking me to heal someone of leprosy? I can see that the king of Aram is just trying to pick a fight. So here's how carnally minded, just stay with me. Here's how far backslidden the nation of Israel is at that point. I love my brother, John Grigson. He says, man, when you ever get to 2 Kings chapter 5, I know you can tear that thing apart because you know a lot of the context and the history. The nation of Israel, which is made up of 12 tribes, is divided at this point. It's a lot like the United States of America during the time of the Civil War with a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, north and south. The northern kingdom was called Israel. Its capital was in the mountains of Samaria, and the city was called Samaria, the mountains of Ephraim, and the city was called Samaria. They set up false places of worship. They set up false temples. They set up false altars. They set up false priests trying to replicate what was in the south at the Jerusalem temple with the Davidic bloodline of the kings and with the Levitic bloodline of the priest. 
They were two tribes and ten tribes. Israel is so far away from God at this point that there is literally only one prophet known of to call on the name of Jehovah, and his name is Elisha, the spiritual son of Elijah. And most of the time, Elisha spends in hiding because the kingdom and the nation is backslidden away from the God that he alone calls on and serves. The king says, I see what Aram is trying to do. He's trying to pick a fight. They're increasing their kingdom. They're enlarging their territory. They're taking ground. Naaman is one of his great military generals. He's sending him here with this letter just to draw me into a fight, just to pick a fight so that Israel can be next on the kingdoms and the countries that they conquest. That's how carnally minded he was. How many of you have situations every day that you have a choice to respond to in faith or in sense. In, in faith or in man's wisdom. In, in faith, hey, God is giving me an opportunity to see my family restored, to see my granddaughter saved, to see our business grown, to see my heart healed. God's given me an opportunity. It's uncomfortable, I don't like, or how many say, oh, I know what she's doing. I know what they're doing. I see what they're trying. They're just working an angle here. Every day we have those choices of how we respond to what God is doing or allowing in the earth. We all have them. Sometimes we respond in faith. Sometimes we react in fear but we all have those choices. So the king, he reacts in fear. He's afraid. I see I'm carnally minded. You're trying to grow the kingdom. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel was not afraid, when Elisha heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, here's what Elisha saw, Pop. Elisha said, God's been trying to get Elisha into that humble birthing position for the entirety of his reign as king. And he's finally at a place where he's afraid and he's humble and he's tearing his clothes with a contrite heart. This is my opportunity for God to break in where the king's been trying to keep God out. He, saw, he, he said, I don't care that he's afraid. I don't care that he's painted into a corner. I care that his heart's contrite and he's torn his clothes. When the man of God heard that the king had torn his clothes, this is what Elisha said. I've heard that you've torn your clothes, that you're in dismay, and I want you to know this. You don't need to be upset. Send Naaman here to me. And he will learn that there is a true prophet of the one true God still in the land of Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and with his chariots, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a servant, a messenger, out to him with this message. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. 750 pounds of silver in those chariots. 150 pounds of gold across the backs of those horses. 10 changes of clothes. <laughs> you want to talk about a knock at the door. Many of us wish, this is better than Publishers Clearinghouse. <laughs> this is you hit the Powerball. 
and you didn't even buy a ticket. We're bringing it to you. How many of you know you to turn Fox News off to get up and answer that? How many of you know you to turn CNN to get How many of you know you to got off the phone? You to got off Facebook? Hey, how y'all doing? What can I do for you today? You'd have been out there. What was it worth in today's value? 4.3 million? 4.3 million, just the gold. How many of you are wait? How many of us are praying today for the 4.3 million knock at the door this afternoon? Amen. I think I would have answered that. <laughs> he said, "Tell him, tell him to go out there. Just, just stay with me. Tell him to go out there and buy you desired and wash seven times." But Naaman became angry. He stalked away. I thought at least he would grace me with his presence. I thought he would at least honor me as a dignitary. I thought at least he would have come out to meet me. I thought at least I expected him to say some kind of little magical incantation. I expected him to at least wave his hand, do something, and call on the name of the Lord his God to heal me. Listen to what he said. He's reacting in fear. He, he's reacting with emotions. He's, he's reacting with a, with a natural human thought process. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the far part better than any of the rivers, any of them by you desire? That thing is filthy. I saw a 7-Up bottle and a syringe and a cigarette butt. I saw stuff all in the bottom of that thing. I wouldn't dare step foot in that. I dare. Can't believe he wouldn't come out here. I had $4.3 million, I had sets of clothes, I had gifts, and he didn't even have the decency to come out here. I could have just stayed home and ended up better than this. So Naaman turned, and he got back on the road, and he went away in a rage. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, this is why you have to have good friends. Say it. Say, this is why you have to have good friends. You can't always have people that tell you everything you want to hear. You can't, you, you, you gotta have people that will tell you the truth but tell it to you with love. You gotta have people that will preach the truth of God's Word but give you grace when you're not quite there yet. He had a friend, someone that was on this journey with him, one of his officers said this, sir, name him with all due respect, pastor, leader, business owner, husband, dad, <laughs> I, I, I just humbly want to lay this before you today. If the prophet had come out and told you to do something difficult, stand on one foot, jump up and down, bark like a dog, <laughs> who knows what movie I'm talking about. Come on, what? Uh, come on, tell me, sir. Coming to America. If he would have told you, standing on one foot, jump up and down, bark like a dog, wouldn't you have done it? What would you do? Of course I would have. He said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, would you have done it? So you should certainly obey him all the more if he says to you simply, Go and wash and be cured. You're letting your logic block your faith. You're letting your mind mislead your heart. So Naaman went down 
to the dirty old Jordan River and he dipped himself. Now listen to me. Seven times. We're going to water baptize people next week and some of y'all need to be baptized seven times. Make sure we get all that mess out of you. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Wife's out there going, hey, men, hold him down a little longer. <laughs> I saw one pastor on Instagram. He baptized a guy, and he like suplexed him. He jumped and body slammed him, and the pastor jumped. And I said, I don't know what they was trying to get out, but I know some people at Oak Church need to be water baptized just like that. Boo! Get that out of them. This guy goes down, and he baptizes himself. Can you imagine? Listen, now listen, I've got chariots. I've got servants. I've got $4.3 million just of gold. No telling, can somebody figure out the 750 pounds of silver? I got clothes, I've got status. The world has been given to my king through my military campaign. This guy is down there in the most humiliating or humbling, depends on which lens you want to view it through, posture. Some of us are too good to pick up a cigarette bud. Some of us are too good to hold a door. Some of us are too good to, to say I love you. Some of us are too good to care about other people. Some of us have become so prideful, so arrogant, so full of ourselves, we think we're better. I love this in the Bible, it's in Romans. It says, be honest in your estimation of yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you truly should. Remember that you're just dust. Remember that you're flawed. Remember that you're decayed. Remember that you can be nasty and ugly and poisonous and deceitful. Just remember that. It'll keep you from being too full of yourself. I like what Jesus said. He made us a promise. He said, if you stay low, I'll be with you always. Low. I'll be, see, you get high, Jesus said. You got a law. He said, Papaw says, stay low so you don't have far to fall. Stay low. Look, Jesus said, I'll stay with you low. Just, just be honest. This guy's out there, and he had all these reasons. My last name, my status, where I live, my bank. Ain't no reason for me to be down here in this water. He could have taken that position. I'm afraid. I don't want people to see me like this. I don't want people to know I go to counseling. I don't want people to see me raise my hand. I don't want people to see somebody have to pray for me. Listen to me, Jack. If you don't let people see other people pray for you, they're going to read about you on the front page of the tabloid. They're going to read about you in the legal news. They're going to read about you in the divorce column. They're going to see your house is up for sheriff's sale. Your divorce is in shambles. Bankruptcy. Listen, if you're afraid to let people see that you're human and you need God and God needs to work in your life, you're going to end up in a place where everybody watches you in public eye fall and burn because that's what the devil wants to do to us all here he is and he said I'm gonna take that posture right now that sees this through faith and he walked down in that dirty water and he dipped himself and he came back up don't you know all those guys were sitting there Still got leprosy. Well, maybe on this time, went down in the water. Whew, 
I ain't never preached this before in my life, bro. Went down, came back up. Well, that trip to the prayer line didn't help him. Well, that Sunday morning worship service didn't change him. Well, that prayer meeting didn't change him. Well, that life group didn't get him. Well, that phone call didn't get him. Well, well, that small group didn't help him. Here they go back down to that old watering hole. Come back up. Well, that didn't help him either. I wonder if God really loves him. I wonder if they really, they must not be helping him over there. He's still got leprosy. He's still in shambles. It's all still a mess. I hadn't seen God cure him. I'm not going to get in that water. God can't heal them. God certainly can't help me. Their marriage ain't no good, so how's he going to help my marriage? That guy, he didn't listen to any of that. He went right back down in that water. He didn't care about the money. He didn't care about the status. He didn't care about the clothes. He didn't care about the position. He he just had a heart position of humility. He had a heart position that said, it looks like a humble beginning. It looks like foolishness to the world, but I'm doing it today in faith that one day the God that made me the promise of all the heaven and the earth, if I just keep going back, if I just keep getting under the spout, that one day I'm going to come up and things are going to be different. I'm going to come out of service one day and my heart's going to be new. I'm going to come out of life group one day. I'm going to walk out of that marriage counseling one day I'm gonna wait read one word in the Bible and all of a sudden it's gonna change my heart's gonna change my mind's gonna change my life is gonna he kept going back down and all of a sudden he come up out of that water on the seventh time seven times anybody know what the number seven is in the Bible it's the number of completion if I was to tell you what the number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six meant, they would all have spiritual significance to this message today. But the one that I can tell you is the greatest challenge is the number right before seven. It's the number six, the number of man. Every time he was abandoning something, on that sixth time, it was him saying, I got it. I can fix it. I can figure it out. But when he went in there, number seven, he was abandoning the thought that he was in control. He was abandoning the thought that I'm connected enough, I'm smart enough, I'm wealthy enough, I got a good enough name. He was saying, you know what, my help is not in me. And he went back down. And when he come back up on that number of completion, he had completed the cycle, the divine number of God. He came up and he said, it's all God. And he looked and his flesh was brand new like a baby's. God made him brand new. See, some of you came to church today looking for a one-time service God. Looking for a one-time word, God. Looking for a one-time life group. Looking for a one-time small group. Looking for a one-time prayer meeting. Looking for a one-time counseling appointment. But I got news for you. With God, who is capable of the instantaneous and the miraculous, oftentimes chooses a process for you. <laughs> God can heal you immediately but when God heals you immediately it doesn't change you you don't remember you say well if I would have ever seen God part the Red Seas trust me God's done plenty of miracles in your life just as big as partner and you forgot them just like the children of Israel forgot that God drowned the Egyptians in it it's oftentimes those processes when you got to earn it when you got to drive a beater Where's Jameson? Jameson, you in here today? There you are standing up. Jameson, friend of mine from Shreveport I just met. 
Jameson is in, a, in, in the process of recovery. Jameson's in the process of stepping into the life and the promise that God has for him. And, and, and Jameson was sharing with me that he, he is saving the money. Listen, I don't mean this, in, in, you know, private. Saving the money. He got his eye on a little, didn't you tell me an electric little bike so you could ride this? Didn't you tell me an electric scooter, electric bike you could ride around town to get you? He is so excited, so proud about I have freedom, I have sobriety. I'm in church. I got a job. I'm going to get my kids back. I'm going to get my family back. I'm going to get me a bicycle. I'm going to be able to go to work. I'm not going to have to wait on nobody. I'm not going to have to ride on no van. That looks like a humble beginning for many of you that you would say, I wouldn't dare ride a bike. I wouldn't dare get on an electric scooter. I wouldn't dare let anybody see me like that. But to his heart, even the bitter things are sweet. Whoa, it looks like a new beginning. Ooh, it looks like a better tomorrow. It looks like a promise. It looks like a hope. <laughs> He's singing the Jeopardy. Moving on up. <laughs> He's moving on up, son. And some of you wouldn't, wouldn't dare stoop that low. Maybe keeping God. Hear what I said? Maybe keeping God from doing what He wants to do in your hearts, your marriages, your lives. Because of your stubbornness, your hard-headedness, because you demand God allow you out of the process. It's the process. In life, we, we think the destination is the destination. You know what I've discovered? The destination is the journey. I used to always be in such a hurry to get there, to get there, to get there. What, what is there? There is subjective anyways. There is relative anyways. What, what is there? Imagine if you come in here on Sunday morning and you, you left with the feeling that, that I just put up with you until we got there. You wouldn't be back. You say, well, he just, no. You are the destination. Your story is the destination. Your marriage is the destination. Your future is the And if God moves us along to the frontage road, and where, that's just all a part of the process. But the journey is the destination. Learning to be a good husband. Learning to be a good dad. Learning to be a good financial steward. Learning to be remorseful. Learning to be repentant. Learning to be truthful. Learning to be honest. Learning to be sober, learning to be loving. That's the destination growing in God. Not hanging on who you used to be, hanging on to who you used to be, but becoming who God wants you to be. It's a step study, and it starts with a humble beginning. Starts with a humble beginning. Now I'm talking to you, not your neighbor. I'm talking to you, not your neighbor. God's talking to me, not my neighbor. God's not, I hope God's talking to Brooke because she sure needs it, but I know right now God's talking to me. I can get away with that. She ain't in here today and neither is her mama. <laughs> Sir, you said terrible. I'm in serious trouble. That's all right. I can run faster than her. this process, this process, this process of growing in godliness, the process of becoming 
a man of God, becoming a woman of God, becoming the light of the world, becoming the salt of the earth, becoming a city set on a hill, becoming the righteousness of God, becoming loving, becoming merciful, becoming, it's the process. All of us in here today, we, we may have different needs, we may have different things, we may have different areas, but the truth is, we all have a the thing. We all have a that area. Yours may be different than mine, mine may be different than yours, but trust me, everybody in here today has a that thing. Everybody in here today, your, your, yours may put you in jail or yours may just trouble your spirit. Yours may be against the law or yours just may be a nasty ad. I don't, I, I'm not here to compare the degrees. I'm not, I'm not here today to talk about who's more right and who's more wrong. What I'm talking about is we've all got an, that thing. And if you came to church today with any hope, any expectation, any, 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 uh, aspiration to be free from that I can tell you where that starts today at the end of you is always the beginning of God at the end of you having all the right answers at the end of you saying well I've given up on self at the end of you saying well I guess I better lay down my sword I guess I better lay down my gun I guess I better back away. I guess I better just surrender I guess I better just get down on my knees right now and take this posture of humility because if I'm gonna get any change from God today in this worship service from this word it's got to happen right at the beginning of God which is utterly at the end of me it's me saying, God, I surrender. Here's my humble beginning. Naaman comes up out of that water. He does rightfully what anyone with integrity would do. Let me finish reading this passage to you. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to that little house that he had stormed off from just moments ago. And they stood before it, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all of the world like the God of Israel. So please accept these gifts from your servant. Father, today, I, I feel like you've already preached. I, I feel like you've already drawn in. I feel like you've already convicted. How many of you know conviction's good? condemnations of the devil don't don't you, none of us have the right to condemn anybody to judgment anybody to hell but conviction listen to me is from God when you're convicted it's God saying you're my child and I love you too much to leave you wrong to leave you broken to leave you off track to leave you off course and the reason nobody's applauding and the reason nobody's shouting is because that hits home and hurts all of us that we have a God that still convicts us you know who needs to be afraid in here today? The person that doesn't feel conviction. If you feel conviction, raise your hand. Not in this moment, but just in life. You feel conviction. You know what that's a sign of? <laughs> you still God's child. Hey! Hey! Yes! Woo! Never been so excited to be convicted in my life. <laughs> that person that doesn't feel that conviction, the Bible's got something very strong to say. It says the reason he or she doesn't feel conviction is because they're a bastard. They're not a child of God. They've abandoned the relationship with the Father that gives the Father the lifeline and the avenue to speak into their lives and their hearts. 
God convicts. God, I know you're stirring, you're speaking, you're moving, you're convicting all of us today to bring restoration, to bring growth, to bring renewal, to bring change. God, I just pray you would do everything you want to do in these next several minutes. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, well, thank you so much for being at Oaks Church today. It's 1130. We're going to let you out of here. I do want to walk through this step study in all seriousness for just a few moments here. It won't take a long time. Pastor Chad, you, you may want to stay handy. Um, one thing, no, you can leave. I'm just saying I don't think we're going to be a long time today. I got to let these people out of here and get to Piccadilly. I think something that, that needs to be mentioned in the context um, which is the annals of the king, the recordings of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah in the seventh century. This would have been this would have been 700 years prior to Christ, when the nation had had its heyday and then it split, and now there were two kingdoms jockeying for position, but ultimately being jockeyed by God to come back home in repentance to Him. Um, there's this little girl who's taken captive, who's only mentioned as a maiden. She's really a slave. She's in a foreign land. She, she's, a, she's a maiden to a mistress of the commander Naaman. And, and, and I love this, that even though she's held captive, she still has a story about God that is captivating. I, I love that even though she's held captive, is there anybody in here that's, that's in captivity to something, in captivity to a struggle, in captivity to a, to a, to a pain, in, in captivity to a hurt, in captivity to a struggle, in captivity to something, but in the middle of this captivity, she still got a message that's captivating that she, I may be in this struggle, I may be in this broken season, I may be in this divorce, I may be in this addiction, I may be in this bankruptcy, but I know there is a God in heaven that can heal me, that can set me free, that can deliver me, that can make all things. I love that this little girl in, in this situation when really she had no other reason to be hopeful still had this great hope. It, it's, it's like an inmate preacher down at the local jail. He's in there on a charge. He ain't going home for a long time, but he's in there telling everybody about my Jesus that can save somebody, that can set you free. He's in the middle of a catastrophe, but he's got so much joy, so much hope. She has so much joy, so much hope. She's over here spreading, propagating the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, that there's a God that loves humanity. I'm going to end with that thought a little bit later today. God hit me arbitrating a very tough conversation over the weekend with a couple of people that I love. God hit me with a radical thought, and I'm going to drop it on you at the end of this morning's time together. Step one talks about this, John Grigson, that we admitted that we were powerless over this problem. And again, for many, this is something you don't need to turn off or chalk up to addiction or to alcoholism or to some type of substance struggle. We all have problems in life and, and the only way to get free of those problems, the only way to be healed of those problems, the only way to conquer those problems is number one, to admit that you are powerless, that you don't have it in and of yourself to conquer this. And also that because of this problem, the life that we're living has become messed up and unmanageable. Listen to this, a humble beginning comes from, number one, admitting that we are all mighty, 
but yet maligned. We are mighty yet maligned. Here you've, here you've got Naaman. He is a, he is a commander of the army. He, he's won great victories, and, and every one of you in here have special gifts. Every one of you in here have special talents. Every, every one of you in here have special connections or special relationships. You, you have all this amazing and wonderful potential. You're creative. You're thoughtful. You're, you're compassionate. All of you in here, it doesn't matter if you're on the back row or the front row, every one of you in here are a son or a daughter, the creation of God. That means you were created in the image of God and that in your creation the Bible refers to you as a demigod. That is scriptural. You were created in the likeness of God. Deer weren't created in the likeness of God. Cattle weren't created in the likeness of God. Birds weren't created. Only man was made a living being with a soul and a will and an emotion. You are like God. You have mighty attributes. You have mighty giftings. You have all of these mighty endowments that we can find comfort and sources of hope and strength that we oftentimes cling to. But they'll fool you if you forget and overlook that at the same time while you were mighty like Naaman, you were also maligned with great illness. That you have great weakness. Your, your leprosy may be different than the person next to you's leprosy. It says, in the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. Because the Lord had given Aram great victories through Naaman, but though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he still suffered in life with a great leprosy. In this moment, here's what I want you to know, that, that, that Naaman would have felt humiliation. Here I am, I'm a commander. Here I am, a teacher. Here I am, a professional. Here I am, a fireman. Here I am, a police officer. Here I am, an attorney. Here I am, a dad. Here I am, a business owner. There were all of these man-made world titles to cling to, to endorse our mightiness. But yet in that moment, Naaman was forced into a situation to embrace not only his mightiness but his leprosy and it would have been humiliating it would have been humiliating for Naaman to have gone out before his soldiers those whom he led and said though I am great I am also sick I have an malignment I have an illness and I hate to admit this to you and in this life if I don't address this thing if I don't bring to the forefront of the conversation that I have powerlessness over this it will destroy me in all the other areas of my life. You know, for Naaman, he had always been used to being in control. Raise your hand if that's you. I'm, 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 I'm always in control. I have to be in control. You know, you know what God was putting his finger on in Naaman's life? He was saying, Naaman, in this one instance, you can't be in control. You've done all these great things, you have all these great titles, you have all these great accolades, but in this they mean nothing. Mm. Used to being in control, used to going to Burger King and having it my way, right away. Powerful in some areas, and yet out of control in others. It's so hard 
for us to admit that there is that thing, there is that area, there is that struggle, there is that thought process, there is that reaction, there is that, that even though I've got the world on a string and I can do everything else and we could accomplish and attain to the greatest aspirations of our life, it's hard for me to admit that over here in this skeletorial closet, there is a precious, my precious, that if I don't address this one thing, we'll kill all of that. Prideful, powerful, but yet at the same time, an area behind a closed door, behind a plastic smile, behind a last name, behind a reputation, behind something nobody knows, an area that is so out of control, an area that is so ungoverned, that is so ungodly, it has the potency and the potential to poison everything else. And today God's saying you gotta put your finger on that. You gotta allow God to speak into that. Number two, a humble beginning flows from a time from a time of being paralyzed in prison by that pride. That's a mouthful, I'm gonna let that set in for a moment. A humble beginning flows from a time of being paralyzed in prison by that pride. One day, this girl said to her mistress, I wish my master Naaman would humble himself not cling to all of the reasons and accolades in life that he, he oftentimes hold on to. I, I wish that he would take a journey over into that old filthy land of Israel up there in the mountains of Ephraim in the capital city of Samaria. And I wish he would stoop to the level of going to that little bitty humble abode of that prophet's chambers. And if he would humble himself that way, God would heal him. But what she's saying is if he stays arrogant, if she stays prideful, she's gonna stay paralyzed. He's gonna stay confined in the prison of paralyzation that pride traps us into being. She says, oh, I wish he would move that way. So Naaman, one day, he made that decision. I'm not staying in this prison of pride anymore. I'm, I'm no longer going to stay maligned. I'm, I'm no longer going to stay paralyzed. So Naaman went and he got all of his horses, he got his chariots, and he made that journey over to that little bitty prophet's abode. He rode up at Elijah's house and Elijah sent the messenger out, said go wash yourself seven times and then your skin will be restored and it'll be just like a baby's, just like you've, you've never had leprosy before. And what I want you to know that day is that Naaman's humility is not just displayed in the fact that he was willing to go. Naaman's humility is also displayed in the fact that he finally surrendered his heart to the plan of God. He no longer refused. He didn't say, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to go wash in the Farpar River. I'm going to wash in the Abana. He said, I'm going to make a decision right now to refuse my pride, refuse my arrogance, refuse that I know it all, refuse on insisting it's got to be my way. I'm going to admit in this moment that I'm powerless, that I don't know what to do, and even though it may cost me everything, I am going to surrender to you, God, right now in this area of my life, because I refuse to let this one area, my leprosy, 
cost me every promise that God's ever made me. A humble beginning, Pastor Chad, I told you don't go far, I'm gonna get you to come. A humble beginning teaches us all that obedience is what opens the doors and the windows of heaven for outpouring. A humble beginning teaches us that obedience is what opens the windows, opens the doors, opens the floodgates for God's outpouring. But his officers tried to reason with him, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So certainly, all the more so, since he told you to do something very simple and childlike, just go and wash yourself. Just, just go be obedient. Just, just, just follow through with the process. Don't give up on the step study. Don't give up on the small group. Don't give up on the counseling. I know it may seem bleak. I know it may seem dark. I know it may seem perilous. I know it may seem like we're going further backward than we are going forward. But at the same time, sir, please don't give up. Please don't sacrifice. Sacrifice your obedience right now. Your obedience is needed more than anything. And he went down to the Jordan River and he dipped himself. And all of a sudden, when he came up, at the end of himself, he found God and his skin was Brandon. Don't you know, when God tells us to do things like that, we all initially are outraged. How dare you? Who do you think you are? I think I'm God. <laughs> Pastor used to say a long time ago, God's got an attitude. He thinks he's God. So many of us in life, can I tell you what we want? Instant cure. Quick fix. How many you love it when God does a quick work? <laughs> I love Luke 15 when the, when the Father said, I've been sitting out here on this front porch. There he is. Quick. Restore everything he walked out on. I love that quick thing that God does, right? Man, if I would, if, if, if I would have known at 20 or 21 at that altar that I don't know what supernatural door opened, I don't know what, when, when I was asking God to take that IV cocaine addiction, I have never done an IV drug, never ever. I'm not saying I'm, I've never done another IV drug or drug in my life still to this day. Never. Listen, I wish I would have been smart enough then to ask God for a bunch of more stuff right there. God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need... <laughs> but for whatever reason, he gave me the one instantaneously, quickly, and the rest, he said, you're going to have to learn through the process. Now, I'm going to drop something on you. Pastor Todd, would you hand me a chair? Just, just hand me a chair. My name is John. I am your friend. My name's John. I'm your friend. Help me, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> These processes that we have to go through in life. process of growing, the process of learning, the process of surrendering, the process of sacrificing, the process of maturing, the process, quote unquote, of evolving, but I don't mean evolving in a sense like evolutionist. 
I mean evolving into God. The Bible says that we are becoming, it's the process of sanctification, of holiness, of you becoming more like God and less like the old you. The, the, the Bible says that those processes are what gives you the strength to walk in victory over the things that used to ail you and trouble you and paralyze you and cause you to be sick years before. That, that, that if you didn't go through the process, you wouldn't know that you know, I can live better than this. I can be different than this. I can have freedom from this. It's the process. How many of us like the process? <laughs> I don't like no process. <laughs> I don't like no process. Fix me now. <laughs> Fix me now. Fix me today. Make, change me today. God says it's the process. It's the process. Listen to me. Just stay with me. I need you to admit, I need you to humble yourself. And when you admit that it's a problem, when you humble yourself that you don't have the change in your pocket, the change that you need, not the change for your currency, I will then give you the process to submit to and obedience and if you will obey and follow the process at the end your recovery will be completed our diseases in this life are as life-threatening as Naaman's leprosy Every one of our individual diseases will slowly separate us from our families. They'll, they'll lead us towards a life of selfishness and self-destruction. The dissolving of everything that is important to us. Oftentimes in life I've discovered there's no instant cure. It's not God's way. The only answer is for us to admit and to acknowledge our powerlessness to humble ourselves to the process that will in time, in patience, in obedience, in maturity, eventually lead to recovery. I guess you could say three myths are our closing today. Admit there is a problem. Submit to God's authority. Commit to the process that he's calling you to walk out. I was on the phone with two people that I love, a family that I love, that have been apart, damaged, destroyed, diluted. And for whatever reason, I had the audacity to get them all on a three-way phone call. And after an hour and a half, two hours into bad conversations, this thought hit me. Imagine the hostility this man feels. 
Imagine the hostility this woman feels. Imagine how disrespected he feels. Imagine how dishonored she feels. Imagine how much they hate each other right now. Imagine how mad they are at each other. Imagine they couldn't stand each other. They'd throw gasoline on the other one if they could see them on fire somewhere. They, they just no telling. No telling the end of the animosity that these two feel towards one another. And check this out. And all of a sudden, God hit me with this. And I felt so dishonored, so disrespected, so disassociated with humanity. The human race that I created, not for a, a decade of a marriage, but for 6,000 years, for centuries, I've been spitting the face of, counted out, lied on, talked about, pushed away, ridiculed, turned down. And in the moment of the fervor of that pain, God jumps up and says, I know what I'll do. I'll go die for him. How many of you last time you was in an argument with your wife said, I know what I'll do. I'll just surrender right now and tell you I'm wrong, you're right, I love you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a great marriage tactic if you want your marriage to survive, because <laughs> we all are going to have to do that. But how many of you ever jumped up and said, you know what, I think I'll just go die for you today. I, I think I'll just go give, I think I'll just go sell the house because I love you. So I think I'll just give everything away just to live a simple life and to be, I think I'll just do, how, how many of us ever really jump up and do that? so sacrificial, so selfless, so, so divine beyond our human ability to love people in that way, to respond to people in that way. This is what God said, I'm going to do for your leprosy. This is what I'm going to do for your one thing. This is what I'm going to do for that problem, that issue, that thing that the Holy Spirit been convicting you about, that thing that has dishonored God, that thing that has set you away from God, that thing that makes God want to vomit, that thing that God hates, that thing that's poison in your life, that thing that you're babying, my precious, I can, I can live without everything else but this, I can have this one thing. God said, I'm going to go die for that thing. I'm going to go die for that thing today. I'm going to go die for that person you hate today. I'm going to go die for that person you don't understand today. I'm going to go die for that person you've written off today. I'm going to go die so that thing can be left in that water. And he, she, can come up brand new. You can stay riding your high horse right on out of here today. No disrespect. You can go get in your Mercedes. You can go get in your brand new car. You can go eat at the nicest restaurant. You can go to your house. You, you keep riding that today and let that thing over there that you don't want to admit is there eventually destroy everything that you think you have. You can keep doing that or you can admit to God today that it's there. You can submit to an authority greater than yourself that says, God, I don't have the right answers. 
I, I, I don't have the right processes. I, 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 I've exhausted myself. I've tried, I've tried everything. You know what, God? I think I see what you're trying to get me at. You're trying to get me to say, it's okay that I don't know. It, it's okay that I don't have it figured out. It's okay that I can't do it. Okay, God, now I see what you were doing. You were getting me not only to admit, but to submit to an authority that's greater than me, an authority that's more powerful than me, an authority that can truly heal me, an authority that can truly make me new, an authority and a process that can help me recover, that can help me be restored, that can help me have resolution, that can have me... Become the man I'm supposed to be, the, the woman I'm supposed to be. But it all starts with a humble beginning. All starts with a humble beginning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking up, no one looking around, nobody moving around in this place. God, there's areas, there's things in our lives that you've talked to us about today that we came in here carrying burdened by poisoned with shackled with sick with maligned with and they may not have killed us yet but they're going to kill us if we don't get free from them now god it, it may be my pride God, it, 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 it could be the lies. It, it, it could be the perversion in my heart. It could be the unforgiveness. It could be the bitterness. It could be the insecurity. It, 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 it could be the addiction. It, it could be the substance. It, it, it could be, God, that, that, that pornography. It could be any, whatever it is, God. But right now, I know what it is, and, and I'm, ready, I'm ready to get free from it, God. I, 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 just, I just not only admit it right now, I, I admit that I'm ready to be away from it now. And, and I not only admit, but God, I submit to you. I, I move over with a heart like Naaman, a, a heart that would move in true humility to leave my reputation, to leave my name, to leave my financial standing, to leave my car or my earthly possessions or to leave my accomplishments or accolades. God, I just move away. I, I'm willing. If you said go down in the river, if you said sign up for water baptism next week, if you said go to the life group, if you said get me a Bible study plan, if you said get me an accountability partner, if you said change the way that I talk, that if God, if you said this is the road, here, walk in it. God, I'm just ready to submit right now and get away from what's been crippling us, what's been paralyzing us, what's been in imprisoning us in this pain. I'm just submitting to it right now, God. God, show them the process. And give everyone in this place the radical but yet humble heart that it takes to walk in obedience towards that path. It, it, it's not a path of perfection. It's not a path that, oh, now I got it and I never make a mistake again. It, it's, it's, it's a path that I'm committed to is the roadmap. It's a path that is the pathway. It, it, it's not a perfect path, but I will be committed to it perfectly. 
It's a path that, that when I fall, I'll get back up, dust myself off, and get on the road again. It's a, it's a path that now I see I, I can't remain this way. I can't continue to be prideful. I can't continue to be arrogant. I, I can't continue to stay uh, uh, maligned and full of disease and say, I can't continue to stay a leper in this area, God. And I'm moving out of it today. Moving out of it today with radical obedience. Rad radical obedience. The, Bi the Bible says that Jesus Christ learned the Father. He learned righteousness through obedience, through His suffering.